What's going on, guys? Welcome to the UFC Fight Night Waterson vs. Hill recap show. I'm your host, Ryan Galloway. Joining me as always, Jordan Ellis. Jordan, how you doing, mate? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Another one of these cards where you look at the, the lineup of what we got here and you don't expect much, but on the night, it delivered pretty well, in my opinion. I thought the card was uh, definitely a good card. There was no complaints from my, my end on that one. And uh, the main event especially, that delivered. Uh, what did you think of the card as a whole first before we get into the individual fights? It's a really good card, and first things first, it was you know a proper stack card where there was um, six fights on the prelim, six fights on the main card, and it was just like it started early. It started 10, 10 p.m. over in the UK, and I thought I was getting an early night, but it still ran till about half four in the morning. So it was you know that tells you all you need to know, and um, lot lots of you know good finishes, lots of really fun fights, a bit of controversy. It just seemed to have everything, and as you said, it weren't the most hyped card, but. Um, in the end it delivered absolutely and yeah one thing that did deliver was the main event and so we'll jump straight into that michelle wards and andrew hill two ranked women's strawweight fighters hill really coming up uh, a lot of momentum behind her after fighting three times this year and getting two wins so there's a lot of momentum there whereas waterson's kind of the other end where she had a lot of momentum and was being built to be this uh next title contender and then she came up against uh Joanna and didn't emerge victorious, but that'll happen. Um, so she was really fighting to keep her place while Hill was like fighting to establish herself. Both women looked fantastic. Awesome fight. One of the most entertaining like uh, women's five-round fights I've seen in a while, for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I was happy with the decision. I thought Waterson did win it, uh, but definitely competitive. If they had said Hill won, I wouldn't have complained at all. What do you think? Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I fought Watson one. I, I had a, a guy that edged in that last round. They had a two all in going into that fifth round, and I think, I think he won that fifth round. So I've got no complaints of the decision. Um, but as you said, no one, no one really lost in that fight. It was it, if it went the other way, I wouldn't have complained. I don't think there was any reason to shout robbery, even if you're a Hill fan and, and you think she won. I just don't think there's any need for it because it was a brilliant fight. It was, you know, in terms of you know. Definitely one of the best women's fight you'll see, and then it's the only reason it's not going to be, you know, going down as one of the best is because we just had Joanna against Wele Zhang a few months ago, which you know set the bar so high. But besides that, I can't think of many better five-round women's fights, as you said. So great fight. Watson goes on. I do think she's, you know, she's been at that level for longer. I did pick her before the fight, and I was glad to see her get it done. But Hill's just a serious contender in that division now, and she'll. She'll be coming back and she'll go straight back into another big fight and, and she'll cause someone nightmares. Yeah, and I mean, you were the only one in our staff picks that did pick uh, Waterson in this one. Everyone else picked Hill. And looking at what everyone said, I don't think many of us were wrong. I think Hill was the better striker in the fight and she put it together on the feet and her takedown defense was good for the first two rounds. It was just that factor of going later in the fight. The third round when Waterson managed to get that takedown really changed the momentum there. And then back on the feet, Hill was substantially slower after that. And uh, yeah, she definitely won the fourth round of Myers. And then I thought she edged the fifth as well. Um, both of them look really good. Angela Hill hits hard. Like you could see the hematoma forming on the head in the first round. Like didn't look good for Waterson at that point. Uh, but she managed to recover. Used her kicks really well to keep it range. Used her kicks really well in that fifth round just to do damage and build up points to ultimately win a decision. For Hill now... I, I honestly, I don't think you push her back too much. I think she's definitely, she can hang with the people this this half in that division for sure. So I think there's definitely 
opponents ranked nearby that she can take on and keep her little run of momentum going. I can't see her falling apart like after this loss. Whereas Waterson, there's really not too many people above her that you would pair her with now, is there? Like, obviously Rose is going to fight for the title. You do that. You wouldn't do the JJ rematch. There's no way. Um, maybe Andrade or something. What do you think? Andrade just moved up to one two five. Right. I think so. It, it is. It's a tough. Um, I think she's in a tough spot where who who you match it again. We'll we'll get the the rankings up and have a little look. Because mm. um, but I don't think Eva Gale. You know, I don't think Wharton's good. She probably still needs a couple of wins to get a title shot. Whereas, mm. and I think Hill's probably still only a couple of wins off a title shot. It is that close in the strawweight division and um. You know, Tatiana Suarez, is, is she matched up? I think she's the next in line, really, isn't she? And then, um, who knows what Joanna's doing? I wouldn't really match her with... Um, Not again. With with Watson. You could potentially match her with Hill, because Hill, Hill's still right there. Uh, Claudia Cadea, you could do that rematch with, with Hill, or she could push on and fight Watson. So, around that level, um, Tatiana Suarez would be the highest Watson can push, and then you could probably go right down anyone in the top 10, really, for either of these girls. They're, they're both right there. I don't think much has changed um, from the win or the loss. Yeah, I think definitely when Suarez gets back, that division will be opened up more and we'll get a bit of a clearer idea of where everyone's at because right now you've got the two former champions, you've got the champion, and then sort of everyone else after that, whereas Suarez is number one cont- contender from right, or she's number three or something she's up there and she's definitely the one everyone wants to see fight for the title she's earned it and she's not been stopped yet i think she's undefeated right i think so yeah Yeah, and she's just been out from injury so once she's recovered from that she'll get right back in there and if she's not getting a title fight off the bat which i doubt she will she'll probably get a number one contender fight and then a title fight yeah i i think um I wouldn't really want to see Suarez going straight back into the title fight. It's it's tough enough as it is. This division, it's it's one of the most stacked divisions on the UFC roster. So coming in and, and taking someone like Watson on is is a good, a really good test to see, you know, if she's ready and, you know, give it a little warm-up, give it a chance, you know. Mm-hmm. Welly Zhang is busy with Rose and Namajunas. Be, beyond that, she might be busy with someone like Va- Valentina if she comes out with a win in that one. So, you know, there's plenty of time. And Tatiana Suarez is young, so I don't think there's any any rush with that. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll move on to the co-main event then, and that was between Ottoman Azatar and Karma Worthy. I've been big on Karma Worthy for, like, since he joined the UFC. Um, I know he was an underdog coming into this one for obvious reasons, because Azatar's undefeated knockout artist. I just thought Worthy would be the more technical striker, and I thought he'd be able to withstand the storm and outpoint him. But, God, I was wrong. Azatar hits hard, and when he gets a hold of you, that's it. He throws flurries, and he lands, and that's it. Um, and he did that. A minute 32 into the first round, got the KO finish, remains undefeated, adds another knockout to his record. What were your thoughts? Yeah, going into this fight, I was I was really torn just on... I, I, I do like Wavy and a 40. He's got, he's got everything he needs to, to win this fight. But I was going through his record and I, I spoke to Billy Quarantillo and he, he was saying he finished him and Kyle Nelson finished Karma Wavy. And then I was looking through his record. There's about, you know, five KO stoppages on there. And then I'm thinking... Azaitar is one of you know one of the bigger punches in lightweight. So as the fight crept closer, I was I was creeping closer to Azaitar's side, and then he's got that you know um, that Moroccan fan base who are, you know kind of in our YouTube comments and you know they they're blasting wave even thinking he's he's got a push over here too. So it just you know there seems to be a, a bit a bit of something going on with Azaitar now. I'm, I'm kind of you know 
half on that hype train at the minute. I think he's he's powerful. I, I look I look forward to seeing him, you know, stretch out a fight and seeing what else he's got because you're not going to be able to blow everyone away in the UFC and it's working for him right now. And you know, good luck to him because that that was pre- fantastic performance and Karma Wavy was rightfully you know receiving a bit of hype off after two big wins. Um, yeah, but he, he's he's been put right back in his place now, and Azaitar's on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, Azaitar's on three in a row in the UFC or something, if I'm right. He's got a couple, he's lined up a couple in the UFC, so you really got to give him a jump at a competition. If he's knocking people out how he is, you look at Sean O'Malley, he was knocking people out the same way, and they put him to jump up a competition, that's where he really got tested. So I, I'd like to see Azaitar jump up like a, a fair leap with this win. And take on a ranked guy. I don't know who off the top of my head, but I d- definitely think put him against a ranked guy, see how he goes. If he can go out there and do what he's been doing and smash someone, the sky's the limit, right? Yeah, well, we had Bobby Green, who was on mm. that card as well. I wouldn't mind seeing that fight at all. You know, um, maybe not ranked guys, but people just on the edge mm. of that, you know. Um, Azaita, Lando Venata, Mark D. Casey, um, there's, there's plenty of fighters who are going to give him a, a lot, a, some more issues than Wavy was able to. But um, it was just one of them things, you know, Wavy got caught by a huge shot and, and he was complaining. But then in the end, it was a yeah. fair stoppage because he was getting swarmed. It's, it, it was just a tough night for Wavy and he'll be back. And Azaita, he's on to the next one. Look forward to watching him. He's definitely someone you've got to watch out for now because. You know, when he's throwing hands like that and he's doing that type of damage, you know, it, it's it's exciting. It's it's, it's crazy yeah, to watch. Yeah, I'm interested to see what both these guys do next. Um, like I said, I'm a fan of Worthy and now I'm a fan of Azaitar, so we'll, we'll see what happens next there. Um, before that, we had Roxanne Modafferi coming back against Andrea Lee. I honestly didn't see a lot of this fight because I was doing something else. So I'm going to throw it to you to break down. What do you think of this one? You didn't miss much. Like, it, when, it was one of their fights. It's just a classic fight of three in the morning when you just don't want to be trying to fall asleep yeah. but this one's not helping yet it was really nip and tuck it was back and forth it was a competitive fight i think modafferi you know was rightfully got the decision um but no one really impressed it was one of them fights where you you no one seems to be looking for the finish do a hold position things like that um yeah but good for roxy because obviously she, she's a fan favorite she's an mma pioneer um ever since she's been in the ufc she's been Losing one, winning one, and she was coming off a loss, so she was due yeah. a win. She got it, and then for Andrea Lee, it just sucks because that's like three really close to fit decision losses in a row. Now it was two split decisions, and this one was unanimous, but it could have easily gone the other way as well. So it was just um, not a great fight, but um, great win for Martha. Very really tough loss for Lee, and yeah, I don't know where she goes from here. Right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it, so I can't really comment on what happened there. But Modafferi is one of those fighters where she's just getting one win and one loss, and she will never, uh, from what I've seen since I've been like following her career closely, she she has these little spurts where she wins one, but she never gets like a streak going where she can jump up in the caliber of opponent. She always gets that setback that keeps her around the same area, um, where she seems to do well in. So maybe that's where she belongs. But um. Yeah, good to see her getting a win. Before that, we had the controversial fight of the night, so there's a lot to break down in this one um, between Ed Herman and Mike Rodriguez. Uh, stuff in the beginning, on the feet, was reasonably competitive at the start, reasonably, uh, but then Rodriguez started to go to town. He, he started going to the body and landing shots and really uh, hurting Herman with those shots, uh, attacking the legs, lots of kicks. Um I thought in the clinch early, Herman was getting the better of him. But later on, as the like 
in the second round. Rodriguez in the clinch was much more dangerous. And then he lands that beautiful kick, knee to the body, and then he lands a kick to the body before or after. No, it's two knees, right? He put one low and then one on the chest. After the one on the chest, Herman drops and covers, and the ref called it for a groin strike. Probably the worst ref call I've seen in a long, long time. What were your thoughts on that? It was bad, and it's just it's such a shame. You know, Mike Rodriguez was he was he was basically on a streak. He was he was looking good. He turned around after twenty days, and he basically got a win. He basically got a win, and and then he's lost it. It was just crazy, and it was just it was one of them things. It's poor, you know, Tanyoni because obviously that's a that's a howler, and he, he obviously hasn't seen it. But um, it's just such a shame, and Ed him, and you can't really hate on him, you know, for taking the time and recovering and, and coming back. He still managed to pull something off because even afterwards he was still hurt on a, on multiple occasions. So mm. the opportunity was there for Rodriguez to close the show and and. Um, you know, Ed Herman was there for the second, so I don't want to focus too much on the the controversial stoppage. Although Mike Rodriguez has got you know absolutely every right to do so, but just to talk about the fight rather than the controversy, Mike Rodriguez looked beautiful with them elbows. He's he's a dangerous man for anyone in that light heavyweight division. He he gets you really close, and then he just lands them elbows. They are brilliant, and Ed Herman's just a tough guy to be able to take them, and then to rally back like that and and pull off a Kimura. Um, I think he was on the bottom when he managed to switch mm-hmm. it. That that's beautiful as well, you know. And, and Mike Rodriguez, besides anything else, would be frustrated to be getting caught with something like that because that's a you don't see many people getting them, and it's a it's a high high risk, low reward strategy. Really, like no one's pulling them off. So, um, you know, credit to Ed Ham and Mike Rodriguez. You've just got a feel for the guy. Yeah, I'm not trying to discredit Ed Herman's like submission, right? Because, like you said, he set that submission up. Uh, Kimura, a lot of the time people won't even go to finish with the Kimura when they're on the bottom. They'll just use it as a sweep so they can get on top. But he committed to it, ended up finishing him with it, and, yeah, very impressive. But uh, you can't you can't give him the win, right? Because he lost. He was done. He covered up. He, admi- he admitted defeat. If he was defending in that moment where, he, like, the ref thought he would have grown straight, it would be one thing. But he wasn't defending all the look on his face, all his body language was telling you, I'm done, get me out of here. And so he obviously took five five minutes, which a lot of people were giving him uh, slack for. Like on Twitter, I've seen someone saying that I wasn't sportsmanlike. And just, you got to think from his perspective, am I going to be sportsmanlike or am I going to get my win bonus, right? So I think everyone would take the win bonus in that situation. Um, So yeah, comes back, gets a submission, good for him. Yeah, it, it's not about being a sportsman. It's about, you know, earning 50% of your purse, basically. And that, that's the position these fighters are in. We've seen it with Anthony Smith. And, and um, you know, he, he took a low blow and, or a legal knee. And he, he could have, you know, sat out and, and, and did that and won the title basically by default. Um, but he didn't. And he got a few pats on the back, but he didn't get anything else. He didn't get his win bonus. He didn't get the title. He, he, you know, it, you take what you get. And um, Ed Herman, he was hurt. He took all the time he needed off a of referee error and he come back and he was able to win. So obviously he's done the right thing. Um, I heard Dana White give Mike Rodriguez his, his win bonus anyway. And they're going to appeal that loss. So be interesting to see what comes out of that because he won. But did he win? You know, was was Herman fully done? You know, we've seen Herman drop a few times and it, I kept thinking the fight was done. And then right, Rodriguez was a bit hesitant to throw his shots or he weren't able to get that knockout blow. Um, so was Herman done done? 
you know, and and that's just, it, you'll never know now because the referee stepped in and, and stopped it. So it'd be interesting to see what the you know the appeals process brings and whether this is overturned to an old contest or what happens. I think it definitely needs to be overturned, but that's just my opinion. That don't matter. Um, but if I am on. Uh... Rodriguez's team. I am appealing that all day, every day. I'm getting that overturned. I know. I heard Dana White at the press conference saying that this is why they need live replay during the fights. And he said they will. From now on, they're going to have the replay so that the ref can see it on hand and assess what happened. Um, which I think is a good move. I don't understand why it's not there in the first place. Do you know? No, I don't get it either. It's there, but you can't use it until the fight's over. And then once the fight's over. You can't really make any changes yeah. if you've made a mistake. It's just, you just realise you've made a mistake. So that was the perfect opportunity. There was five minutes of pause time where the referee could have went over, looked at the screen, and he would have realised his mistake. And, you know, that's all it was. It was just a mistake. He missed it. it it's easy enough. They really tighten the clinch. And, it, it, you know, there isn't much distance between, you know, the belly and, and the, you know, below. So it's just, um, it's one of them where, you know, it should be there. They've got the facilities to use it. Why? Why not? You know, it it just doesn't make sense, and hopefully Dana White's able to, you know, get that going now because um, it's needed, and, and something like this will pop up again, probably pretty soon, probably this year, and um, and we'll be thankful when it is there. I absolutely agree. Uh, before that one, we have the lightweights, Bobby Green and Alan Patrick. I had never seen Alan Patrick fight before this, but uh, he's definitely got a pretty one-dimensional style, don't he? He was looking for the takedown. He was looking to try and find a submission, and he just couldn't get it. Bobby Green looked incredible. Probably one of the better performances I've seen from him. Uh, didn't get to see his striking, which he's known for so much, but his wrestling ability to to switch, uh, reverse the positions and get on top over and over and over again, and while he's on top, do damage. You know, he looked phenomenal. Uh, obviously, he won the fight. It wasn't even close. Um, yeah, that's pretty much that fight. What do you think? Yeah, Bobby Green's in serious form and, you know, based on his post-fight interview, you wouldn't think it because he, he's taken these, you know, he's taken that on short notice again and he's, he's come out with another win. So that's three in a row now. Uh, Clay Guida and Lando Vanato before that, so they're good wins. He, he's built a bit of momentum. He showed his striking, you know, his striking chops against Vanata, showed his wrestling in this one. You know, he showed it all and then on top, he just seems to be having these weird post-fight interviews Um where there's all kind of personality there as well. It's just he, he couldn't even finish it yesterday because of you know we got some bad news about the the guy from Iran. So it's just um, yeah, Bobby Green's an interesting character. He's one I'll keep an eye on, and, he, and he's one of them guys who's taking advantage of everything that's going on right now. Uh, three in 2008 and um, two three in 2020, he'll probably fight another one once or twice before the year's done. And you know, he, by the end of the year, he could be on a five fight winning streak. Um, so. Bobby Green, look forward to look forward to seeing him again. I like that fight against the Zaitar. I think that's a good match. I think you know that's um, them two are just outside the the top fifteen, clo- closing in on them rankings now. So that that's a good fight, um, and I'm sure both guys will be up for it. Well, uh, Dana White said as Zaitar's turning around on Fight Island, he'll be fighting while they're on Fight Island. So maybe Bobby Green does the same. You know, he didn't take too much damage in this fight. He went for fifteen minutes, but didn't really get tagged or anything. I don't even think he got hit. No, uh, maybe he had to have got hit, but I don't think he really took any damage. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll jump down to the fight that opened the main card between Billy Quarantillo and Kyle Nelson. Fantastic uh, addition to the highlight reel of Quarantillo. 
And I loved right before the third round, his corner said to him, you need to get a finish. He said, if you want to move up in the rankings, you need to get a finish. He went out there, eight seconds into the third round, one-two, puts him out. Awesome performance. I thought Billy Crontero looked fantastic the whole fight. Um, Kyle Nelson didn't look bad until that third round where he got knocked out, but you know it wasn't really that competitive in my eyes. What did you think? Yeah, it was great. It was it was a bit of extra um, spice to this fight just because we no kick managed to speak to both of these guys before the fight and Carl Nelson was being very um you know boisterous in his prediction. He was saying I'm gonna knock him out in the first round and you can see off his tactics. That's what he came to do. He was swinging heavy. He was a dangerous guy, but Billy Contero's just got everything you want in a fighter. He's got all the heart, he's got the skill, he's got the cardio, and that's what it come down to in the end. I think Quantio just took him to deep waters and drowned him in the end. I think by the end of round two, um, Kyle Nelson was pretty much done. And it it's all right, you know, having someone right there, but it's all you know, going out and finishing them is very important too. Mm-hmm. And that's what Quarantiel said when he when I spoke to him. He said he, he wants to finish. He was very confident in getting the finish, and then he got it in be- beautiful fashion. It was it's brilliant, and um, he just made a statement with that win, and and that's three in a row in the UFC now. He's on to bigger and better things. He's he's a dangerous guy, and um, I look forward to seeing him fight again because he, he's an exciting prospect at this point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I saw a lot of people calling him to get a ranked opponent next, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. What's it? Yeah, he's on three fight win streak in the UFC or something. He's, he's put a couple of names together, you know. So maybe you do put him jump up to that next step. There's definitely guys there that would make sense to pair him with. Maybe he gets the loser or the winner of Andre Feely and Bryce Mitchell. Maybe that's something for him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's that 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 division's like. Around the 15 to 20 mark, there's so much there, you know. There's a lot of names for him. Um, do you have any idea who they give him next, in your opinion? I think it's hard for him to get into that top 15 um, right now, just because, like, basically, number 15 is Edson Barboza, number 14 is Joe Duardo. They're not going to match him with with yeah. them, are they? And then Ryan Hall, Shane Burgos, no, I don't think he's getting them. And then Danny Dan Ige, Arnold Allen is number nine right now and he has he hasn't seemed to fight in ages i'm sure he'll be wanting to get on the the fight island card if he's not already booked or something so um sorry Yusuf's there as well yeah there's a couple of good fights but i think again it'll be fringe just outside the guys just outside i'm not sure who's there but there'll be a few guys on the edge of that um and I think that's where he is. He think he probably needs one or two more wins before he starts, you know, cracking that top fifteen. Only because not because he's not impressive, just because that top fifteen is so stacked. It's you know, it's it's a it's full of talent and it's it's not that easy to get there. And I don't think a, a win over Kyle Nelson's gonna do it. Or Spike mm-hmm. Carlisle or, or the other guy he beats. I think he needs a, a real signature win. And I think he'll get it. He's 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 an exciting guy to watch and I can't wait to see his, his little rise now. Yeah. It should be good. I think uh, we'll just pick through some of these prelims because some of them weren't the best. Uh, the first one I want to speak about is Roosevelt Roberts versus Kevin Kroom. Kevin Kroom, the UFC fighter with probably the worst fight photo on this entire UFC website. <laughs> if you look at the events page, don't know what he was doing during that photo, but power to him. It's a very entertaining one. And you know what? He went out there and entertained on the night. 31-second uh, submission, not knockout. He, he tagged him, didn't he? And then he submitted him with a guillotine. That's what happened. Uh, yeah, impressive stuff. Coming in on his debut, I think he had a day's notice or something ridiculously short. And, yeah, he pulled it off. It was very impressive. Basically, it was it was just such an upset. It was a huge upset, I think. it's. I just think um, 
Roosevelt Roberts thought he had that one, and, and I thought he was starting to look good. I know he lost against Jim Miller, but I kind of expected him to, you know, just have an easy night's work here. But Kevin Kruman weren't ready for that at all, and you could see after the fight he was so elated. I think he's been, you know, battling for years to get here, and then when he gets there, he, he took took advantage of it. Probably got, he he did get a bonus, didn't he? Yeah, got a bonus. You know, he's he's made the most of his moments, and Roosevelt Roberts has got to be, you know, feeling sick with that one because. You know, he gets tagged early and then he gets done with, you know, a standing guillotine. It's it's not great. Mm. Um, it's not great for him. I don't know where he goes from here. But Kevin Groom, he's cemented the new FC. Good luck to the guy. Um, I think we've got him booked in for a little interview in the next few days. So be excited to, to speak to him because he was so excited to get that win and he was so pumped. And, you know, you, you can't help for, you know, just root for these guys. You know, when he's been, he's saying he's been at it for 13 years or whatever he's been doing. You know, it's hard work and he's finally here. He's not only here, he's made a huge statement, made a load of money. And, you know, he'll go on to the next one now and he'll get a big fight. But Roosevelt Roberts, much work to do. No young. Um, but, you know, that, that fight seemed like, uh, no disrespect to the crew, but it seemed like a gimme. You know, it was a late notice call up. And um, Roosevelt Roberts is meant to be one of the, the work to do for him. Yeah, I mean... That's the really takeaway from this fight, like Kevin Kroom coming in and doing that. And, you know, he comes from a really good team. I think he's coached James Krause, and he had uh, someone else in his corner that I'm blanking on. Um, but, yeah, they seem to be really happy when he got the win as well. So, power to him. Look forward to hearing what he has to say to us when we speak to him later in the week or whenever that is. Um, but, yeah, any other prelims you want to touch on? Um, I just want to give Jalen Turner a shout-out because... He, this is late notice for him. He comes in and he just he looks brilliant. I know Brock Weaver, you know, isn't you know one of the top top guys, but Jalen Turner every time I see him, he impresses me. And and you know, you heard Bisper on the co- comments kind of raving about him, saying he trained with him and and how good he was and and you know how he'd give him a, f- a few beatings as well. So he's just he's an exciting guy in that division just because he's so rangy, l- lanky. He's got striking. I, I am excited about him. He's, he's um, someone worth shouting out. So, yeah, shout out Jalen Turner. Yeah, I, I missed the finish in that one, but I saw the first like round in a bit, and he looked to be dominating. There didn't look to be a lot there from Weaver in that one. Um, so props to him. But if that's the card, we'll jump on some news because there is some out of this. And uh, let me just pull up the screen. Uh, which one do I want to pick first? We'll go Tony Ferguson. Dustin Poirier is out. Obviously, that was news early in the week. Dustin Poirier wanted more money. UFC and him couldn't come to agreement, so he decided he's not fighting Tony Ferguson on the UFC 254, which is a big shame because that would have been perfect as the co-main event slot. However, Dana White says that they're done negotiating with Poirier and Ferguson will have a new opponent. And I'm telling you, I know who it is. Here's my money prediction for you. Dan Hooker. He posted on Instagram two days ago and said something like anytime anywhere or something he said like something that really implied he had a fight that was just like booked then i know about two days ago is when poirier wanted more money and that fell apart so the timeline kind of matches what do you think is that his opponent and do you like that fight i didn't see that so that's kind of a surprise to me because i kind of had in my mind that he might be fighting charles Oliveira. um Oliveira's just fell out of his fight with ben al darush and now it kind of seems mm. quite um coincidental I didn't know he's that. fell out of that fight with no ex- explanation. Um, yeah, he fell out a few days ago now. Right. And um, so yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting. But Dan Hooker's there as well. So 
I think Dan Hooker would be the bigger fight. I think it would be the, you know, obviously they're trying to make two two five four the biggest card, you know, of the year. I think Dan Hooker would be the fight to make. Mm. Um, but Charles Oliveira is there as well, and I think there's a chance he might sneak in. So it's it's interesting times, but either way, I'm I'm down for either of them fights. Tony Ferguson, I hope he can come back and you know look like himself because he didn't in the last fight, and um, uh, either of these guys is is a good fight for him. So I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, stylistically, you look at it, and I think that the Oliveira fight is literally like him fighting himself. Him and Charles Oliveira have such a similar style. I think Ferguson is better all around. I think Ferguson is better everywhere, but they're very similar as their style. Uh, whereas Dan Hooker. I, I, I used to ride him off, to be honest. If I'm being honest with you, I used to ride him off. I didn't think he was much. But you look at how he fought Poirier and what he was able to do in that fight. And before that, against Hooker even, he's really talented and he hits hard. He's got knockout power. I don't know if he has the power to knock out Ferguson. But, uh, you know, that could be an interesting fight as well. That could be a, definitely a challenge for Ferguson in that one. Um, yeah, either fight, I'm happy to see. I just really want to see Tony Ferguson back. Yeah, and I, I'm just glad he is back because obviously Dustin's got his own thing with the UFC and if he wants more money, you know, fair fair play to him. But, you know, I, I Ben Askren kind of come out and had a go at him and I understand kind of his, his reason and why just because this does, does feel like a fight where the rewards for beating Tony Ferguson are so huge. Like, the, you'll get the money down the line is, is Ben Askren's school of thought, like the money will come, mm-hmm. but you know, Dustin's at that point now where he thinks the money should be here now and, and I, I tend to agree with him so I've got no no you know, bad feelings about him sitting out and him wanting that money, especially for a quick turnaround, that, that fight's in you know, just over a month now, so yeah, um, Dustin will I'll be back sooner rather than later, I'm sure. But in the meantime, we get a really fun fight, and just you know, let's be glad Tony Ferguson's still on the card. Hopefully, let's hope it doesn't fall out. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Okay, so another piece of news that's come out that I'm not too familiar with, but I assume you wrote it, so maybe you'll be familiar with it. Conor McGregor arrested on holiday in France. What happened there? There's not. There's not really any clear in like information about what happened basically he was arrested on suspicion of um sexual assault or indecent exposure some it's but besides besides someone saying it it was in a bar there's not really much information so it's hard to you know you don't want to condemn anyone as guilty you know as soon as the reports come out but something's happened but he doesn't seem too phased about it i think he i think right now or i don't know if it's over now but he's, he's in some type of boat race at the minute so He's not. I don't think he's particularly concerned. Um, obviously, he's a he's a celebrity. He's a, he's high profile target, but at the same time, they do seem to pop up a lot with him. So, I just reserve judgment and, and kind of let the the legal system kind of play its way out. You know, it's it's hard to you know you don't want to be throwing too many stones at someone. But Conor McGregor is you know an easy target. And he makes a lot of these problems for himself. So I'm sure some people are having you know fun and expense right now. Yeah, um, the reason I bring this up, uh, obviously, we I don't know anything legal. I'm not a lawyer, um, but is because I saw recently he got tested by USADA, which means he's not retired. Shocker! Because if anyone thought he was retired, they're probably wrong, right? I think we all know he's come back. Um, I had said on Twitter as soon as I saw Poirier was out of that Ferguson fight, this is the time to make the Tony Ferguson versus Conor McGregor fight. They were meant to fight back when Ferguson captured the interim championship. Conor was off boxing and doing whatever. This is the time to make that fight. Obviously, it wouldn't be a co-main event. It would be a main event. 
I want it. That is the fight. What are your thoughts on that? I just don't think the UFC can make it. I want it. I just don't think the UFC have the money to pay Conor McGregor right now. And that's why Dana White keeps saying he's retired. He's retired. retired. He's getting tested by USADA. He's very much in the rankings. He's clearly not retired. He, he keeps calling everyone out. Um, but Dana White's just clinging to that retirement statement because he can't pay Conor McGregor the money he needs right now. That's that's the, the top and bottom of it. You know, they need the crowd before McGregor can get a fight. And I think it's going to be 2021 before they, they anticipate having crowds back in there. So it's going to be 2021 before we get McGregor back in there. And I think it's it's as cut and dry in that. So as nice as a, um, in a fairy tale land where McGregor's still being tested, they can jump straight back yeah. in. Um, this whole business side of things is stopping it. And then it stops me getting carried away with, you know, fantasizing about this fight because it's not happening. It's, I just it'd be impossible, I think, to to raise the funds to pay McGregor the whatever amount of tens of millions he needs for this fight. Yeah, I I, I would love to see it though. Like I said on Twitter, I said it's probably not going to happen. And I mean, it should have happened back in twenty seventeen. I want to say is that when I think it was twenty seventeen when Ferguson got the interim title. Whenever it was meant to happen, that's when it should have happened, right? Um, but yeah. We can only just uh, pray that maybe one day we get to see it. Uh, anything else in news that you want to touch on? Um, I think Dana White confirmed, or well, you said it was in the works, Rose and Amiunis against Wele Zhang, mm. um, which was expected, but it's a huge fight. I'd be interested to see where they go with that. I heard someone on Twitter saying potentially go to China with that because they've got a UFC PI over there, which would be you know an interesting move and you know. Um, yeah, but it's a huge fight, and it's the fight in the women's strawweight division, as we were saying earlier. You know, them two girls at the top of the card, you know, they they made a big statement about what how good that strawweight division is because, in my opinion, um, both Wele Zhang and Rose Namajunas are a level or two above them girls, and them girls are, you know, super, super talented. So it's going it's gonna to be a huge and a, a really fun fight, I think. Yeah, I agree, and but I don't think they'll do it with the Chinese PI because the problem there is how do you get everyone back into America? It's not going there; it's getting back. Uh, that would be a nice idea, though. Um, I think it's going to be on Fight Island, and it'll be an awesome fight. You know, I I think that I, I really I've got to side with Zhang. Early prediction here, but I've got to side with Zhang on this. I just can't see Rose causing any problems that JJ didn't cause to her. Uh, yeah, I just can't see her getting out wrestled by Rose. And I can't see illusion on the feet. What do you think about the match matchup itself? Yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good fight. I think Rose is um, a a dangerous, dangerous contender. You know, for Zhang, I think Zhang lost the last fight. So in it to Joanna. So in my mind, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not convinced. You know, she wiped out Andrade, and then she had a tough defense against Joan Jacek, which I think she lost. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, for me to, you know be too much on her hype train as a champion yet. But if she gets by Rose Namajunas, there she is, she's cracked it. Um, I just do, I think she, I do think her horn's getting her tooted a little bit too much. I think she was, she's getting matched with Valentina and things like that. I think she, she needs to beat a Rose. Definitely, she's got to beat at least Rose before she can go, start talking about these other fights. And, um, and it looks like we're going to get it. So I'm sure she'll get a chance. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, last piece of news, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but during the Bellator event today, John Fitz announced his retirement after he got submitted by Nyman Gracie. Uh, the submission itself was pretty vicious. It was like a knee bass, heel hook, inverted little thing. Uh, impressive stuff. 
obviously he had that draw with uh rory mcdonald that's what it was yeah uh, for the during the grand prix which he would have technically like won the belt had he, it been his way and i know a lot of people saw it his way um but yeah he didn't actually he didn't get a hold of the belt there it's a shame. Before that, he was on a bit of a streak. Since joining Bellator, he hadn't lost, yeah. And before that, he was in PFL, and he had a couple of good wins there. Beat Jake Shields. Pretty good career, to be honest. Overall, I'm looking at his record here. Um, to, to retire now after that loss to Nyman Gracie, probably not the worst idea. What do you think? No, I think he's, he's in his 40s now. He's 42, and he's had a, he's had a, a massive career. He's, he's one of the original guys, I think. You know, the whole lay and pray thing was one of his things. It was called John Fitchin, you know. Yeah. That that's his thing. So that's what he's given to the game. And he's still right there, you know, to be competitive with Rory MacDonald, you know, for three to five rounds or whatever it was. That's huge. And then it's just um, you know, he's still there. He could still beat a lot of top guys, but you know, he's been subbed, he's lost a what an up and comer, and he's decided to walk away. I'm sure he's been thinking about it for a while. Um and you know, good luck to the guy. I hope he he, he goes on. I'm sure he's he's already coaching or doing something along the them lines. But he's got a lot to give back, and I'm I'm sure he'll start giving even more now. Yeah. So best in retirement to you, John Fitch, if you're for some reason listening to this. Um, fun <laughs> fact: he debuted at UFC Fight Night Two. So that was that's that's what I mean. That's a long time ago, isn't and it? it's it's weird yesterday because you've seen Bispin on the commentary speaking about Ed Herman, who was in the same season as tough as him, and Ned Herman's, you know. So it's just weird, you know. You're getting this little crossover point now where you're getting the veterans who are still hanging around, and someone like Fitch who's still able to, you know, beat beat a lot of top guys. You know, Yushin Okami, Jake Shield, Paul Daly, they're they're all just in the, the last few years. So it's um. It's, it's huge, and it's, he, he, I'm sure he could still beat a lot of people in that Bellator division at the age of 42 or whatever he is now. Mm. Yeah, 42 years now, but um, sometimes, you know, he's, he's maybe not gone out on top, top. He's not got the belts or things like that, but he's pretty close. He, he's pretty close. He doesn't have bad losses. I'm looking at his like, losses. He lost to GSP, lost to... Drawed with BJ Penn, lost to Johnny Hendricks, lost to Damien Meyer. And then, obviously, draw with Roe McDowell and lost to Naiman Gracie. But, yeah, not a terrible career. Uh, but with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for watching, guys. And we'll speak to you later in the week to pre uh, preview the big one, the, probably my favorite event of this month, Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. So, yeah, we'll speak to you then. Thanks for watching.